This Sunday, Judica is about judgment. Our intro, it really set the theme today. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. If we were to judge ourselves, we'd always come out on top, wouldn't we? And why is that? Because we judge ourselves most commonly by the standard of other people. If you don't think you do this, just turn on a home improvement show or home buying show on Netflix and just see how long it takes before you make a judgment about the people on the show. Yeah, they're, they're kind of greedy and they're not very smart. They don't deserve to get that home upgrade or that new home or whatever it is. Our lessons today are interesting. Abraham gets a home upgrade and a blessing. And Jesus, who leaves his home, is judged by his own people. First, Abraham. This is actually when God first calls Abraham, here's still called Abram. Abram's name means exalted father. And God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. But exalted father is even in an odd predicament. He's childless and he's an old man. He's now 75 years old. In fact, Abram's own brothers, uh, of his uh, other brothers, he was the only one in his family who had no children. That day, being without child was considered a curse. And yet God says he's going to make him a blessing. And now when Abram is an old man, God speaks to him. God personally calls Abram to be a blessing. But nothing Abram did merited God's favor. We don't even know if Abram knew God before this. The Bible tells us that Abram's father, Terah, worshipped idols, and his whole household worshipped idols. Every indication we have suggests that Abram, too, was an idolater. And yet, even though Abram had not done anything to be worthy of God's calling, and even though he was from a pagan family, God judged him favorably. By choosing Abram, God demonstrated that it is not by anything in us, but purely out of his grace that we are chosen, that we are saved. And so God, in his mercy, brought Abram out from an ungodly nation, out from his household, out from pagan surroundings. To us, this may seem more like a punishment than a blessing. Abraham had to leave his family, his home, everything behind. How is that a blessing? Well, like removing any sight of alcohol from an alcoholic, God is removing Abraham from temptation, from pagan surroundings. It's really an example for all of us on removing ourselves from temptations. Uh, temptations that particularly uh, wear on us. We all have sins that we commit in weakness that we are susceptible towards. Whether that temptation is harming our bodies by over-drinking, extramarital sex, or making idols as Abraham was tempted to do with his family. Maybe for us that, that, that looks like staying away from God's house by pressure from family or for extra responsibilities that take precedence over God. Removing ourselves from temptation is not always easy. 
but it is necessary. For Abraham, God wouldn't just lead him out of temptation, but would take him to a land that would eventually be the promised land, Jerusalem, God's holy hill. God would set him apart from the world of false belief and temptation to live by the promise of his grace. God promised to make him a great nation. This childless, exalted father would have a nation that would come from him for sure, the nation of Israel. But that's not what God is ultimately promising here. God was making good on the promise he had first made to Adam and Eve all the way back in the Garden of Eden. The very promise heard that we heard at the beginning of our season of Lent. The promise ascended, ascended the seed of the woman to be the savior of the world. God's talking about Jesus here. From Abraham's descendants, God would send Jesus. But I'm amazed at how many miss this. We've got a number of, of children's devotional books at home, and almost all of them miss this. They make this a story about Abram's faith, how he was willing to do great things for God, and how God, uh, and how because of he, that he would do this, God would, would give him and bless him by giving him lots of children and grandchildren and descendants. But that's not the point. Abraham was judged favorably, not in view of his faith, not in view of his future devotion. Abraham deserved nothing but condemnation and eternal death. Even Israel really isn't that great or powerful of a nation. Instead, God judged Abraham favorably through his descendant, Jesus. In Jesus, all the families of the earth would be blessed. God is a judge. He's the perfect judge, and in him there is perfect justice. Getting into the promised land of heaven is not about being good enough. God doesn't let people who tried really hard to get into heaven. The promised land of heaven is promised to people who are perfect, who are righteous. And there's no excuse for sin. There is no point where someone is, is just good enough to get into heaven or not good enough. Heaven requires perfection, and God demands perfection. It is amazing how often I hear this excuse for sin. Yeah, Pastor, I know I'm not perfect, but... There are no buts, there are no excuses for sin and the judgment that we deserve. But how often in the divine courtroom before God do we try to take the devil's place and put our neighbors on trial instead of us? They did it first. They showed me how to do it. Or how often do we try to defend ourselves against God's judgments? No one was hurt. No one really knows about it. Or, or that's really not that bad of a sin in comparison. Or everyone is doing it. We'd rather make up excuses for our temptation rather than removing ourselves from it. But the only outcome from this is the judgment of death and eternal punishment. God didn't send his son Jesus to die for you and me just for us to make up excuses as to why we don't need him. God sent Jesus to plead our case 
to defend us from the accusations of the devil to cover our sins. Jesus does this because he perfectly fulfilled everything that we are unable to do. In fact, in our gospel lesson, Jesus is actually in the Garden of Gethsemane. We we read that before our text today. It's one of the many times he came to the Garden of Gethsemane before that night he was betrayed on Monday, Thursday. And he's praying exactly as our intro, it says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Jesus is there praying that God would judge him instead of the wicked Jewish people, and even instead of the wicked and deceitful Judas, the one who would later betray him. Jesus doesn't make excuses for them. He commits himself to the Father who judges righteously. And he says, judge me. Judge me in the place of this ungodly nation. From Jesus' lips, those words, ungodly nation, were vividly real because the hatred for God had become national. The priestly leaders of this ungodly nation have come to Jesus to convict him of speaking the truth. And they resort to ad hominem attacks, calling Jesus a Samaritan and claiming he has a demon. Jesus, in reply, tells them what will happen to anyone who listens and believes his words. He says they will never die. And now they think of Abraham. Abraham died. How can your words be true, Jesus, if Abraham is dead and all the prophets are dead? Who do you think you are? Jesus explains that Abraham had faith in the promise given to him, the promise of his descendant and how the world would be blessed. In faith, Abraham saw Jesus. It was 25 years after Abraham had been first called by God and promised a son that God finally gave him a son. 25 years. Can you imagine waiting for a promise that long from God? And, And then just right after this, a few years later, God would ask Abraham to sacrifice his only son, the son he'd waited so long for. The one whom God said would be a a blessing through his descendant, Jesus. And here in our gospel lesson, Jesus says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I I can't help but think that it was in the very moment on Mount Moriah, the place that Abraham had been called to sacrifice Isaac, that he rejoiced and he saw God's day. There on the mountain as he's holding the knife, about to to strike the the death blow to his own son, that God stops him and he shows him a, a substitute lamb. And it's there that Abraham was given to understand the meaning of the sacrifice of the son, the meaning of the substitute being offered. Can you imagine Abraham's joy? in what God was now doing and understanding what God was now doing. Abraham is overjoyed not only to have his own son back, but but to see God's salvation through his own son. Jesus was led to God's holy hill and judged. The same hill God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on Mount Moriah would later be known as Golgotha. 
the hill Jesus would ascend to be sacrificed on the cross. Jesus was the literal substitute for Abraham's son. And Jesus is the substitute for us, for the entire world. And Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. Christ uses the name for God, yeah, yeah, Yahweh, I am, for himself. Abraham was judged and is saved not because of his own righteousness, but Jesus. The religious leaders were ready to kill Jesus. They're ready to stone Jesus for this. But it's as if Jesus said, yes, I am the one who called Abraham from his homeland. I am the one who made those promises. I am the one who is a substitute for Isaac. I am the lamb, the sacrifice. I am the one who saved Abraham. Yes, I am he. But now I've, I've come to you, among you, to do something far greater than anything I've ever done before. Because I've come to be your great high priest. To be your substitute. To sacrifice myself in your place that you may have eternal life. Do you see how much I love you? If you claim Abraham as your father, then rejoice with him since you too have been given to see my day. All of us by faith are children of Abraham. God judges us and declares us righteous and he calls us to a new home, the promised land of heaven. We are judged and through Jesus, all the families of the earth, including us, are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.